0: good morning again, Faithway. Good morning, good morning. I don't know if it's warming up, but we're ready for that warm weather already, aren't we? No? Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay, so we've got a couple of announcements this morning. So we announced last week that we're having an in-house Easter egg hunt for the kids, and we are also afterwards, uh, after service, having a big fellowship, Easter fellowship. So families stick around um this is in three sundays counting today stick around and we're gonna have some fellowship outside if you want a barbecue raise your hand if you guys like barbecue if you want to barbecue if you guys are good at flipping the queue out there you guys can come over here and barbecue for us um or we can just go ahead and bring in everything we just want to make this a big and awesome celebration because we are celebrating life and new new hope so if you guys want to show up bring your family bring your friends definitely bring the kids because it's going to be fun for each and every one of us who shows up also guys We've been announcing uh, this for maybe two weeks. We didn't get a big head start on this, but COVID did hit and make us drag a little bit on a a lot of our outreaches and things that we would do. But this year, we are kicking it back up with our baptisms. We were doing two baptisms a year, and we had been doing one just last year. So we're going back up to two, two, and it's coming right up. If you have not been water baptized yet, this is for you guys. I really want to encourage you and... Try to get you to step over that line of fear or whatever it is that's holding you back and get baptized. There's no checklist that you have to meet, no marks that you have to meet before you get baptized. The only thing that you need is to be a believer and say, I accept Jesus Christ. If you have done that and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior please sign up and get water baptized because it's a beautiful public declaration thing to do and it's a memorable life event. So we have the sign-up sheet over there at the Welcome Center. Don't leave without signing up if you haven't done so and I will get with you and give you more info and details on that. And that baptism is going to be the day before Easter. It's Saturday at 10 a.m. We also have the second to our last fundraiser for our carpet. Our carpet is going to be replaced, and we're almost there, guys. We've, we've almost met the budget. So please, if you're not serving anywhere, this is something for you. This is something for the entire church. We're giving back to God's house right here where we all use, we value this building here. So, brisket burger combo sale will be Saturday, the 27th. I think that's this Saturday already. Um, it's going to be out here in the parking lot at 11 a.m. Tickets are on sale for $8 each. Please stop by and pick up a packet if you haven't picked up a packet. You can sell these packets in person, manual with tickets, or you can even post it on your social media. Sell it on Facebook. Sell it on, on Snap or whatever you use. Um, post it and just put your 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 hand in and, and plant your seed. Always look for that opportunity to serve because you never know where doing something small will bring you the greatest blessing. So This morning, let's go ahead and open up our hearts, and let's get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way. So, kids, you guys are dismissed.
1: Give the Lord praise. Come on. You're going to clap. Clap. Don't sound like like you're making tortillas. Come on. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thank you, Lord. Come on. You can do better than that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shout out to all our online church. We see you guys. Well, we don't see you. You see us, but we know you're there. Great to see my brother-in-law and my sister watching. They're partners for many, many years. God bless you all the way from Atlanta. Well, not Atlanta, Augusta, Georgia. Um, pray that God doesn't call me to start a church there since it is beautiful over there. All right. So, and um, Betty is on and Bobby. I'll go through some of these. J.D., Lali, hey Lali, we see you, Orlando, and Kaylin, and if anybody else wants a shout out, you better hurry up. All right, praise God for our online church. So they're starting to grow, there's 18 in that campus, that's just like this, you know that? They're engaging, they're saying amen, if they say an ugly comment, we just delete that one, we don't, we don't um, engage them there, but. so I'm real excited about this, um, this series You know, and let me just say this right now, again, even for the online church, um, anybody else watching, this is, what's coming up in the next few weeks, this is the Christian Super Bowl. You realize that, right? This is the biggest day, not Christmas, you know, Christmas is a wonderful, I love Christmas, but you know, this is the reason we're here. You know, this week, I decided to take three weeks just to deal on, on this subject. Next week is Palm Sunday, and then of course the following week will be Easter Sunday, and let me tell you about Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is a Sunday that all your friends that don't want to come to church will have such a big guilt trip on them that they'll actually come with you, all right? So you can't waste Easter Sunday. You can't waste it. you got to, you know, start wearing them out right now until they find, okay, okay, I'll go, just leave me alone, right? But now I'm telling you, Easter is, is really our, our Christmas, you know. This is, this is what, because if there's no resurrection from the dead, there's no Christianity. Can you hear me say amen? This is the one thing that separates us from all the religions in the world. None of the religions, you know, any other religion of the world doesn't have that. They have versions of it, but not the way we have it. You know, there's a tomb where people go and worship Buddha and Confucius and all the other 600-something and and th- thousand Hindu gods that they have, and, and we don't have a tomb to go. Amen. Because our Savior is alive and well. Amen. We don't have a marked location where he's buried because he's not buried. And so we're going to dwell into that, and also, but I want to, the title of this series is just simply called Look to the Cross. And, you know, the quest for the last few weeks has been my personal connection and trying to understand and trying to navigate through Christianity and its applications and a Christianity that works, you know, say amen. You know, I was too worn out with Christianity that would promise me something and I could never see it happen. That's what religion does. And then when it doesn't happen, they just blame you for it. And you just keep trying harder and harder, and it still doesn't happen. But when I came to God in 1992, and we saw the power of God, that you could actually believe God, believe his word, things started to happen for us. Am I hear an amen? So when we come to the cross, that's one of those things. And I want to just open up with a... So if you're Catholic, you're going to enjoy this story. And... Um, you got to realize, I grew up Baptist. Mex- Central Mexico, beautiful city of Cholula. It's like the hot sauce. No, the hot sauce is named after our city, all right? And they don't make it in Cholula. They make it like in New York City or somewhere, right? But, um, yeah, it's a yeah, New York City, I remember that, Adam. Um, so Cholula is a very, very strong, strong Catholic town. And I'm not going to take you through all the history of Cholula, but it used to be from my house, one block away, we had pyramids, and gigantic pyramids. Not small, but it was, you can see it's a hill, there's a church. There's 80 Catholic churches in Cholula, 40 of which are completely functioning, and four of those were right around our house all the time. So it's always bells and on and on and on. So when we moved to, from Mexico City, I was very small, and we moved to this little tiny town, so my mom enrolled me in a school, which was a Catholic school. That school still exists. It's behind our wall in our house. I mean, the next wall over is a big Catholic school. And one day, you know, I went to this Catholic school, and I was probably in kinder. I don't have a lot of memories of it. I have a few memories. And I remember I, I got into something with my mom, and she asked me a question. I was tiny, probably four or five, something, somewhere in there. <laughs> and to prove my point, for her to believe me, I did this and I kissed it, and she had a fit, because that, because you know, hey, hello mom, you sent me to Catholic school, I want to learn how to Catholic stuff, right, and she went into this thing, now here I'm at five years old, and she gave me this sermon about how the cross was the weapon that was used to kill Jesus, and our version of of Baptist, we didn't have no crosses, because Baptist is like Baskin-Robbins, there's a lot of versions of it, all right. Now, I mean, I like my Baptist roots. I'm not knocking Baptists, you know. But our version of Baptists, the cross was not a symbol of our faith. It was, and I mean, God forbid you had a cross on your hanging off your neck. You guys came from that brand too, right? It was a symbol of death. And so that was quite confusing as a little t- child because, you know, everyone has a symbol, right? Even the great tyrants in history, you can you know. If I, if I, some of you probably won't connect, but some of you older people, if I said, Soviet Union, you would immediately see a hammer and a sickle. If I said Nazi Germany, you would see a swastika. But when we came to Christianity, what other symbol do we have? We have the cross. So it was, you know, I didn't really understand all that. And then, of course, I grew up and I'm not going to take all that. But later on, you know, when I got born again, I came to terms. And my mom came to terms. I remember when we first got this little building, before we ever built this one, some of you might remember before we opened up the the foyer. I I just liked that little opener. We had a cross, you know, wooden cross in there. And, you know, and my mom finally, you know, she got over it, and I, and I would wear it where um, Monica's mom gave me a beautiful golden cross, a little gold cross I would wear it, and that cross got lost, well, in a weird way in Ukraine, but somebody kept it from me. <laughs> anyway, that's all I want to say. But, you know, the cross was just a symbol of, and, and, you know, we began to realize that the cross of Christ was a symbol of Christianity through history, and you see it on, you know, gravestones and so forth, and if you go to Arlington National Museum, you'll see people buried with a symbol of their faith, be it Jewish, Christian, or what have you, Muslim, so forth. So the cross is our symbol, you know, the cross was our symbol. And there is, the the way, you know, I really, didn't really show I was just trying to find how to come into this series, and I titled it, Look to the Cross. Because the cross is full of this amazing paradox I, don't, I can't find anything else in history or even in my life or even in, in Bible times that the paradox is so obvious of the symbol. Now, we're not here to glorify a symbol. You know, it's just a symbol. So don't get weird on me, you know, to go buy a whole bunch of crosses thinking it's going to bring you good luck. You do that, we'll have to take you out back. You know, that's not what it's about. But it was, it was, it was this amazing paradox of all these contradictions, that happened at the cross. And I think as a believer, we have to understand, because I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to say something that will probably come up next week. But you see, Christians, we have the symbol of the cross as a place where we need to, to come to receive Christ, and that, and that is correct. You know, If you don't understand what happened on the cross, that's why I said if there's one Sunday you shouldn't ever, a Christian should never miss, it should be Easter Sunday, because that represents everything of our faith, even more so than Christmas. You know, I like Christmas, don't get me wrong. But, but, but his death and resurrection is what causes us to have faith. It's causes us to have a future. It's what causes us to have hope. Amen? And so the symbol of the cross, you know, I almost wish I had one here. It's a place where I come with my broken life, my broken everything, and I say, Jesus, I need you, and he, he gives himself to us, and you can say we're on this side of the cross. Now we're born again, we're righteous, but I think this is a tendency, and I've seen it in my life, you know, I'm... I'm Close to 30 years of this lifestyle, meaning I grew up in church, took 14 years, ran from God, came back to God, and in that comeback, we're, you know, next year it'll be 30 years since I gave, came back to the Lord. But I've realized something over those 30 years you can't just forget about the cross even as a believer. Because the cross was where He paid the price. Are you here? The cross is where it happened. And sometimes as a believer, we're like, okay, I got saved, we're done with. And we try to, and we go to our life, but then we find out that we still have lots of issues. We still have lots of problems. We still have bad habits. We have, we have things that haven't get, gotten resolved. And the Holy Spirit would just, you know, He doesn't make you, you know, he'll, he'll convict you or convince you of sin. But sometimes I think the tendency is to say, well, we'll just figure it out, or we hide our sin, or we justify our sin, which is a big one in, within Christianity. Or we look for other people that are doing the same sin, and then we justify it that way. But the cross, I believe, was a place that believers could come back to, not just come to be redeemed, come back to the same place and, and resolve some of these life issues. Because, and, that, and that's really what the, the series is here, you know, primarily for two weeks. And then, of course, the third week, is still the same title, but we're going to talk about the resurrection and the cross. So I want to I share with you some of these, these the paradoxes, you know, that I have found. And I want to go, first of all, to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Through 11 and let, let's, let's pick it up here. If you have your Bibles, please look in your Bibles, digital paper. And if you didn't, well, we have it up on the screen for your convenience. And it says, Consider the example that Jesus, so let's just stop right there before we do anything else, because He's about to say, you, I want you to w- look at this example. Look at your neighbor and says, Look at this example. This is important. Come on, say it. Be obedient, guys. Look at the neighbor and say, You got to look at this example. You know, when you're, somebody's trying to teach you something, they say, Let me show you, and they teach you by example, right? So, this is what's about to happen. You know, he's about to, to say something that we need to look at and see how that applies to our lives. We're not Jesus, we're not the saviors of the world, but there's an example here that, he, that Paul is going to bring up that I think is critical to understand, you know, as a foundation for this series. So, let's go and say, so this is the example. Consider the example that the anointed one has set before us. And then he goes on to say, let his, mi- let his mindset become your motivation. So that's another thing we're going to have to look at. So it's just the example and the mindset of Jesus. What was he thinking on his way to the cross? Think about that. Now let's, let's stop there before we eat. So I'll give you a little bit of historical, you know, Pebble there, so you can really begin to live this thing. Jesus was born, you know, in the first century in Israel, governed by the Roman Empire. And the cross, to start off, was a very hated symbol. It was detested by everybody because the Romans used the cross quite a bit. You know, it wasn't just like Jesus got crucified, they used it all the time. And The uniqueness of Jesus' crucifixion was a little different than most because they put him on a hill called Golgotha. But the Romans, most of the time, they would crucify people on the main road to make an example of them for thieves and whatever and all their different crimes. And they would nail people up there, and sometimes these people would take three, four, five, six, a week to die. You know, they would just hang them up there and let them die, and they would suffocate because, you know, the weight... But they would just crucify him. So, you know, little Jesus, baby Jesus, toddler Jesus, you know, pre-K Jesus, his whole life he's been seeing people dying on crosses. We gotta, you know, we understand society was very different. And if you went to the market and the Romans decided to execute 20 or, you know, 20 or 15 people for various causes, on your way to the market, all you would see would be dead people dying, moaning and groaning. Some were dead, some were rotted out, some of the birds were eating on them. I mean, it was a pretty disgusting sight. So the cross was a very, very hated symbol. It was a symbol of of the Roman oppression. So right off the get-go, the cross was a very negative thing. So now, you understand this, so Jesus is growing up with this. It's not like, oh, that's a cross, I'm supposed to die. He's been watching people die his whole life. He's been watching the the processions, the, the torture, and now he realizes it's my turn to go through that. Now here's the thing that makes the biggest difference. He still has a choice. If he, does the, if he takes the cross by force, it's not really going to help us. Because he's got to make a choice. And here in this passage in Philippians, it really kind of opens it up. And I'm going sh- to show you some of these things. You know, there's, I really want to finish today, but we'll see how far we go. So then he goes on to say, let this mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God. Okay, So we're going to go all the way back to before Jesus came on earth. And by the way, the creation, Genesis chapter 1, Jesus was involved in the creation. Jesus did not just become a baby. Jesus always existed. He became man to help us. Amen? Say amen if you're tracking. So now he says he existed in the form of God, but pay attention. To now, now you're going to begin to see some of these, these, these if I can say, paradox or contractions or contrary statements, because it really begins to define what the, the symbolism is. He goes on to say he exists in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme price. Now, there's, there's a lot in there, and it's not all applicable to today, but I'll tell you what that means. He was God, and he didn't see it wrong to compare himself to God, even though he was the son of God. He didn't see it like he was taking from God. And then, but look at verse 7 now. So, he, so basically, let me break it down for you. 5 and 6. They're saying he's existed the whole time, and he reigns with God. All right? So that's a pretty high place. king of, Prince of heaven, whatever you want to call it. But then he goes on to say, he emptied himself of his outward glory. In other words, he made a choice to stop being the prince of heaven, and watch what it, he it does. He reduces himself to the form of a lowly servant. Last line, with exclamation point, says he became human. Right? So here we go. And then he humbled himself. He became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man, and was obedient, and he was the perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. So we've gone from prince of heaven, holy, blameless, no sin, to the death of a criminal. That's how far this thing went. Now, let me give you these. Let me, let me keep reading. Because of that obedience, that he was willing to lay everything down and take the cross, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness and how has been given the, namest, the, 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 been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord, Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God his Father. Now now let's let's get the whole circle. So we have the Prince of Heaven obedient unto death, the death of a criminal, spiritually and naturally. Naturally as obviously he was executed as a criminal, but spiritually he went to hell. You know, if he didn't go to hell, I had people get on my face and say, I don't believe Jesus went to hell. I said, Well, somebody's going. Somebody's got to pay that price. Because we're all sinners. So once he's in hell, now it turns. And then he is exalted, but he's exalted because of this obedience. Now, what I'm trying to get you to understand in all this reading is that this is the, you know, kind of breaking it down in outline form. These are, you know, these are the seven steps that Jesus walked through on his way to the cross. And, and then I'm going to show you some some of this. What I'm talking about these, these things that, that are contrary in, in context, but you begin to see. The way God thinks and the way God does things, and why is this important? Because here's one thing you got to understand about God: He doesn't do things the way people do things, and we're always trying to get God into our thinking. And and then you hear all these, you know, you know, I hate to use the word fool, but there are fools that try to express. And I'm not going to say guys, but you know, some of these TV anchors lately they want to get all religious, and I'm like, they got no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea, and they have this concept of. Jesus is a big, you know, puffy pillow, and every, he loves everybody, and it doesn't matter how, how you live your life, everything's going to be fine. That is one of the biggest deceptions out there right now. Because people are going to pay a, pay a heavy price, because the previous scripture, guess what, everyone will know that Jesus is Lord. That doesn't say everyone will go to heaven. Everyone will know. And every knee will bow. He even included demons. Demons aren't going to heaven. So what is that about? Is that authority of Jesus? When everyone dies, they will they will step into a place called eternity, and they will see Jesus face to face. And depending on the decisions they made in this life, they will be either allowed to enter in, or they will be sent to hell. That's the Bible. I know that nobody teaches that anymore because it's not cool. You know, it's not motivational enough. That's the Bible. That's just simple Bible truth. You know. Well, I don't believe it. Then you're not a Christian. Because the same Bible that teaches that teaches that Jesus is Lord. Are you still with me? So, you know, you, you begin to see some of these things that the cross represented in the life of Christ. So, and again, I want, I want you to see the similarity because he's saying, use this as an example. That's, that's what Paul started writing. He said, let's look at the example. Let's look at the mindset of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, guys, what is our goal? To kind of be like Jesus, right? Not to be like Pastor Bob, to be like Jesus. Not to be like any big-name preacher. To be like, That's the goal. To take all our imperfections and all our wrong way of living and wrong way of thinking and transform it to the likeness of him and to the thinking of him. Are you still here? So what do we find in the seven steps? Number one, he emptied himself. He emptied himself of what? Of everything. Of his glory, of his power and his authority, and, and really the passion of the Christ, the whole story is so powerful, and, and I'm, I'm telling you things, and I have like these little random thoughts that come in about, it. I want you to think of one, when they come to arrest Jesus, now this is you know, two weeks ahead of where we are, they say, here comes all these Roman soldiers up the hill, and you can hear them, because they made a lot of noise on purpose to scare people. The Roman soldier and his um, uniform and his armor was very noisy. And, and they would march in unison, and you would hear. <laughs> and that would just, because they knew, and they didn't stop for anybody. And, and, and there's a whole study on the Roman uniform. And they had spikes on their feet, and if you fell down in front of them, you're, you're dead meat. They're not stopping even for you, they would just trample you. And they're coming up the hill, they're coming up these cobbled stone streets. They can hear them. And they finally show up, and they ask, Who is he? And Jesus said, I am. And at that voice, that whole, all those soldiers just fell. poosh, Because he said it as God. And that power of God hit that, whatever troop was, you know, I don't know how many it was, you know, but whatever it was, they all, I mean, they were just all flattened out. Go go read it. It's right there. And then he comes back to man. In other words, he had all the power to destroy every one of them. Just by saying I am, they all, he flattened all of them out. So I want you to think out through the passion so at any point he can pull back. And they mock him, right? They say, well, if you're the son of God, why don't you get off the cross? Even one of the other guys that was hanging on him, well, if you're the son of God, the other guy says, hey, don't mess with him. He didn't do nothing wrong. We, we should die. And that guy that spoke with Jesus, he said, you will be with me in paradise. They were still mocking him to the end. But you know what he did? He emptied himself of that authority. He emptied himself of the, the, the aspect that he was the prince of heaven. And you're like, well, how does that apply to me? Well, right there, you know, want to talk about Christianity, you've got to give yourself up. Christianity is about dying. Are you here? There are two things, and, and I know I'm way ahead of my notes, but it'll all come together. There are two things, I'll, I'll keep reading here in a moment, that you're going to find in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's called the altar. And the church is kind of a funny place now because... We've turned the altar, and again, it's nothing wrong. I mean, don't 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 say, is that wrong, Pastor? No, it's not wrong. But but if I say, Come to the altar for whatever reason, let's say we're praying for the sick, or or you're going through a family problem, or you're going and I say, Come to the altar so we can pray for you, we call this the altar, and we've turned it into a place of the blessing, which is not necessarily wrong. But in Bible terms, the place of the altar was a place of death. Amen. Things had to die before the blessing would be released. Right? Are you still with me? You had to pay for your sin. Once the sin, the atonement of sin through the blood of animals was taken care of, then you were righteous again. Well, the New Testament, Jesus did away with the altar, but what was the equivalent? The cross. So the cross and the altar, cross in the New Testament, altar in the Old Testament are still a place where things come to die. And the biggest thing the Christians, this is this is the first paradox, you got to die to live. Number one. What do you mean, Pastor? You got to die to yourself. I'm so ahead of that. I'm not even looking at my notes now because I'm so in it now. So I just keep going with it. Jesus said, unless you take up your cross. And follow me. You're not worthy to serve this thing, and that's like the last thing Christians want to do. Because said, well, are you talking about we got no, no, no. No, he already died once. You don't have to. You don't have to physically die, and you don't have to physically go to hell, and you don't have to physically be resurrected from dead. He already did all that, but you still have to die to yourself, and that is the hard part. Hey, Amen. That's all of us. I'm including myself in this because our flesh. Our stinking little flesh still has Adam's nature, and we still want to operate in our own little terms. But the highest calling is to understand, back again to what Paul said, what did, he, what did Jesus do? What were the steps? You know, He went from prince of heaven to the criminal's death. He empties himself of what? Of himself, of his authority. Number two, he chose to become a servant. You see, and watch, watch the, the difference between the world and us. In the world, if you are going to be all it, then you're you're trying to achieve authority, right? You want to climb up the corporate ladder. You want to be the CEO. You want to be the boss. That's fine. I mean, I always tell people, don't ever be satisfied with... I had one boss tell me years when he first (laughs) hired (laughs) me. It actually was a prophecy come true. He says, well, you know, it just came out because that's the way I'm wired. I thought I would never get the job. And he hired me because I said that louder. He says, what are your expectations of this company? I said, your job. That's what I said. That's my, I want your job. That's what I want. Because you make way more than I do. I didn't say that bad, but I said your job. He looked at me like, you got to be kidding. That's not how you answer an interview. I said, well, I'm honest. you know. I'm... Well, he hired me because of that. Three years later, I sat at his desk. I didn't I'd have nothing to do with him. He, he was a thief, and he got fired. And, and guess who got sat down on his desk? <laughs> For one whole month, so God called me to full-time ministry. I'm like, I'm in, I'm yes, I'll retire, I'll be rich. And the guy said, no, you're going to the ministry full time. I was one month environmental manager of a, fact, a plant, that had 4,000 employees, and it was great. But, you know, my point was, that's the world. And with Jesus, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the lowest. See, so now you see the paradox? We're starting with these, and, and all of Christianity is this huge paradox, and the more you understand, because even the cross was a symbol, such a symbol of death, such a hated symbol but to us it becomes a symbol of hope and life, and you really begin to see because this is these are the keys. I'm telling you, these seven steps. If you don't get anything else that I'm going to preach today, take a screenshot of that, meditate on that, because this is a very simple thing that we all have to continually kind of chew on. Is our, am I emptying myself when I come and minister to you? Meaning, and really, you know, this is my prayer every single weekend. It will happen either Sunday morning or Saturday night. At some point, I said, Lord, let me help the people. That's it. That's my prayer. I have no other agenda to help you. That's it. Whatever I say, whatever you say, Lord, let it help the people. Well, you have to understand, you can't come up and take this platform if you haven't emptied of yourself, because if I don't do that, then you're going to hear what a bad week I had. Uh Uh-huh. Or how angry I am. And then I'll preach messages around my issues. No, you have to learn that the highest goal in Christianity says, you know what, none of me and all of you, Lord. Because the cross represents this. Number two, he became a servant. You are here to serve. Number three, he became human. So while we're already human, how about human, humanity in the sense of compassion? Because, you know, when there's no difference between Christians and world people as far as them being, because I'll tell you what, again, not, nobody here, so don't be looking at anybody. But I've met some mean Christians. No, you never met them? I'll bring you some. I got them locked up over at H's Ranch right now. Oh, you're pointing at you? No, oh, come on. Vienna's so sweet, H. Come on, don't be picking on her. Y'all don't see anything that's going up here on the front row. That's all right. Are we human? Huh? Do we walk with compassion in that context? He became human. Where did Jesus spend most of his ministerial time? In the real world? Not in the fake religious world of the temple. And it's sad because sometimes churches, and you know, if we're not careful, our church included it'll become just a, a, you know, a gathering of phonies. You know, I wanted a message of the cross, and now he's telling us that we're phony. <laughs> you know what the cross does, if you're really sincere about what happened to the cross? It demands you take your mask off. You can't come to the cross with a mask. You can come to church with a mask. We all do. We even change our language, right? Hallelujah, praise the brother, glory to God. Jesus. You don't talk that way out there, come on. You go to your boss, say, how are you doing? Glory to God, I'm blessed, sir. What's this guy drinking, you know? I wish we all talked that way, but you know, we, we have a different demeanor. No, he became human. He became real, and he spent most of his ministry with the sick, with the thieves, helping the prostitutes, helping the dirty and the down. And once again, he said, I didn't come for the healed, I came for the sick. The healed don't need a doctor. He became human. In other words, His humanity was not just, I'm a human being. He said, I'm part of the human race, and I have to help it. Guess what? That's a call on every Christian. If we're not making a difference in some form, we're just, what are we doing then? We're just breathing, right? So you you begin to see that the humanity of Christ was full of compassion. And and all these things, he's got to let all these things before he can even get to the cross. That's my point. All this is happening. You know, he's reducing himself in human form. He's walking as a human He's helping us. Number four, he humbles himself being the prince of heaven. Number, you know, A characteristic of this, what, what happens at the cross, and I think that's a big one that we all need to do, is because, you know, again, nobody wants to admit it, but we all have a lot, our own little version of pride. And if we're not careful, we, we bring Jesus into our life, but we don't deal with pride. Te acabaron los aménes, I think that went Baptist on us. second. Think about it. Pride is, you know, some, you know well, what is a pride, pastor? I mean, you could do a whole series on pride, but just a little thing. Pride is basically saying, I don't need anything else. I don't need anybody else. I got this, my job, my career, my, my, my. And guess what comes before a fall? Pride. No, Jesus humbled himself. He could have walked, imagine, I mean, it, I told Monique yesterday, we were talking about something, I said, I don't know, you guys, you guys would love to be a fly on the wall of some of our conversations. I said, you know, it is a good thing I'm not God. Because I'm not as nice as God. There's just some people, I don't care if you repent, I'll still send you to hell. Because I don't like you. Now pray for me, guys. Don't, don't give me that. You guys are all sanctimonious. Holy. Oh, Pastor, Bob. you got the same. There's some people you don't, don't want in heaven. Don't look at me weird. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Thank you. I have an altar for all the liars and hypocrites, except Elizabeth will stay seated. No, humility, even the people that were driving the nails, he's saying, God, forgive them. I mean, some of you, just because somebody posted something ugly on Facebook, you're all rolled up in a knot. Jesus is having steel, up to two pounds, one and a half pound nails. If you know what a railroad spike looks like, that's pretty similar to what, to hold up a human body, you're going to need some big nails. And, and sometimes nails won't hold it, so they tie them up with ropes and nail them. And as the nails are being driven, he is saying, forgive. That's humility. That's the, I mean, think about where we're at. Years ago, I was, well, I've done it here in the church, maybe even recently, I said, if you have a tr- trouble forgiving somebody, just look at your hands. What does that mean? Are there any holes in there? No, you didn't get crucified. So right there, in his ability, back to the cross, that cross gives you the ability to let go. Where where in the natural, nobody says, how can you even forgive that person? No, I can't. But because of what happened on the cross, I can. Because I was a sinner. Paul said, I was a sinner at the top. And grace was there for me. So humility was something Jesus did. Number five, all this is in those verses. You know, he became vulnerable. Again, as Christians... (laughs) <laughs> this, thank you Lord Jesus I didn't, know, I didn't know this was going that way but now we're, now we're going to preach once again we have all this how can I put it outer appearance that we got it together and again I, I get it I, you know, let, let, me, let me walk this one out carefully because I don't want people to misunderstand it I don't think you should put your life out for everyone to see it because you get people believing in the wrong way for you. Like if you go around and tell everybody on Facebook, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, and then you got half of those people, they don't even know Jesus, and they say, prayer's your way. And I'm thinking, how does that even work? Prayer's your way. It's probably like a lie, because I don't think they even prayed. It's just a little cute little, hmm. And then you got people that, You know I'm sick. I'm sick, and oh yeah, you know my aunt Mary. She had exactly the same thing you have, and she died. (laughs) So now you got—that's what I said. You got people believing for you in reverse. But at the same time, we should have people in our life that are close enough to say, "I don't have it all together. I love Jesus." And I know in our campus, we well, that's a negative confession. If you say, you're going, no, no, no. If you're talking to somebody who knows how to pray, if you're talking to somebody who knows the word, that's not a negative confession. That is, we're in agreement. And I'll reach out to people that I know, and i say, I need some prayer for this. I'm not going to put it out on Facebook. But you see, people walk into this church, maybe they walked in today. Maybe it was, you know, I, I played with the band. I've been missing playing with the band. So I got up there. I don't know if they're going to have me back. It's not permanent, Kathy, don't <laughs> worry. They get all stressed out when I get up there. That's... But um, you come in, and, and as a pastor, sometimes you know stuff, right? And you say, hey, sister, how you doing? Oh, bless God, I'm blessed, I'm doing great. But you know they're not doing great. You know they're going through some stuff. And I think that's what that means about becoming vulnerable. Becoming vulnerable and, and lowering that mask and lowering that attitude that, oh no, Pastor Bach has it all together. Look at Pastor Monica. they never go through anything. Are you kidding me? I dare say we might go through some stuff that you guys will never go through. Because the devil has a whole different kind of target on us than he does on you. Uh-huh. Because he knows if he takes me down, he might shake a bunch of other people down. No, we all go through stuff. And, and one of the dangers, one of the things that I really think Christianity has lost is that ability to have a prayer partner, a friend that you can trust, it's not, you're gonna, that you can actually open your life, get an agreement in prayer, and that person's not going to go pour everything out on Facebook. Or out around town, or gossiping about you, or, oh, you know what? Because, you know, los cristianos son igual de chismosos que everybody else. <laughs> Sorry, just in English, doesn't sound right. They're just gossipers. But, but you know how Christian gossip goes, Loro? Hey, Lauda, did you hear about sister and soul? So I'm just telling you this so we can pray about it. And he's like, no, I haven't heard. Tell me more so I can pray about it. It's just the same. We had a little word prayer, but it's the same thing. You're just talking about people. Come on, say amen. Just go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, this is totally for you. I know you, you need this. Go ahead, get it out. We have to understand that the cross makes us vulnerable. The cross... Do you realize that Jesus and every crucifixion that the Romans did, every one that at least we know of, they were crucified completely naked? They didn't have one strand of clothes on them. I mean, they carried, I mean, you can see them now. Of course, Christian artists throughout history have branded our head with two errors. One of them, Jesus wasn't a Viking. Sorry, you know, he wasn't blue-eyed, and he wasn't, you know, blonde, brownish, wavy hair. No, he was Middle Eastern, olive skin. Ura Raza. Probably looked like Lauro, I think. That's, he said, hey, Laura, I'm not sitting on the front row ever again. I didn't say that, but yeah, that's, sorry. that came from the audience, I don't know. Right? And the other mistake they made is that they, I know, I know you have to do it because it would be almost like disrespectful, I guess. I, I get it. I'm not against the portrayal of artists. But he didn't have a strand of clothes on him. The cross made you completely vulnerable. It was, a, it was an instrument designed to shame you, to destroy you, to torture you. I mean, it made you a zero at every level. To expose you because it was a big You weren't just crucified privately. You were crucified publicly. And Jesus took the cross. So what does that represent for us? We have to understand that we all are vulnerable. And we all should be revealed as man, as woman. And I really, really encourage you, you know, that person, in the perfect scenario, that person should be your your partner, you know, your your husband, your wife. That there are some good, good Christian friends that you can... And that's why I say, you know, church... It's not about, let me help you, you know, if you're still one of those people who say, I'm going to try church, you better hurry up and try which one you're going to go to, because you need a church, and, and you need to let some roots go down, and you need to build some relationships within that church, because we desperately need each other. Hello. We need prayer. We need to be able to pray for each other. We need to be able to encourage each other. We, we need to be able to you know, hug somebody's neck and say, hey, it's going to be all right. But how can we hug somebody's neck if that person has built such a barrier that we can't even tell they're going through anything? You know, one of the funny things that happened with as pastors, I, mean, I can tell you some stories, that people would get mad at us. They're like, you know, I was in the hospital, and the pastor didn't even go to pray for me. And I'm like, uh, ma'am, I don't have a, like a crystal ball that we look at that tells me, oh, Sister Sue is in the hospital, you know. <laughs> Unless we know, we can't help you. Is that too deep? You have, to be, you, know, you have to be able to say, and if it's not just the pastor, you know, it's not all in the pastor, you should, I mean, there's some people in this church I know that are, that are such good character, prayer warriors, and you begin to build relationship with these people, and you need that, that you should be able to come to somebody and say, you know what, my life is a, is a train without a control. I'm, I'm, on, you know, I'm on this wild ride right now. I need some help. There'd be a lot more people in church today if we had been sensitive to that. And if those people had been sensitive to open up a little bit. Well, Jesus opened a wide open. There was nothing left to hide. So he became vulnerable, and he was revealed as a man. In other words, there was nothing. he was stripped down where nothing was left of his deity. And that's the mockery. If you are the son of God, why don't you get yourself down from the cross? At that point, well, he's just a man. He's nothing. He's just a man. And the whole time, he knows inside, I have the ability to wipe every one of you off this map right now and get myself off this punishment but he still chose to see it through he became vulnerable and of course that brings me to point six he was obedient until his death he never backed out that tells me once again that phrase tells me that Jesus had the option God gave him the option you go back to the garden of Gethsemane and he takes communion with his dad in the spirit realm and he says, Father, if there's any way that I don't have to drink this cup. What is that covenant? He's talking about covenant. You know, when we take communion, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about a covenant. He says, God, as a human, now he's processing as a human. He's All his childhood memories, everything he's ever seen for the 30 years of his life, he's watching it, you know, playing in his video, and he has that one moment. And the pressure to make the decision was so heavy on the human Jesus. Jesus was not half God and half human. He was all God, all human. Remember that. But, his, but the cross he had to come in completely from the human aspect, 100%. He could not go anywhere. It says, do you think Jesus, I heard somebody say this. Well, Jesus was able to take the cross since he was God. He had like this supernatural moment where he didn't feel any pain. Are you kidding me? Where is that in the Bible? And number two, if he pulled that one off, then it didn't help us either. Because he's got to be able to carry all the transgression. And you can't say, well, I don't feel the nails. I don't feel the the lashes on my back. You know, I'm going to use my supernatural power not to feel pain. No, that doesn't count. And he's sitting with his father, and the pressure to say yes or no is so strong. The Bible tells us this is the first time that we know. I mean, I'm sure it maybe happened when he was a kid. But at this point, it's the first time that his precious blood breaks from his skin, and he begins to sweat blood. And that's not sweating blood. If you ask a doctor, and we have one in the house, you can ask him, his veins were so pressured that he started to pop in his forehead and around. So blood of Jesus began to pour before he was ever crucified. That's why I told you, if you you want the three days and three nights, it's when he turns himself to the Romans, you hit the clock. Then you get three days. He gives himself up. No longer is deity. At any point, he could call it. The last deity thing he did is say, I am, and knocked them all down. That's the last thing he did. Well, actually, he put some guy's ear back. Because Peter, you know Peter, he took his sword out and cut some guy's, he was aiming for the head, but the guy ducked. He wasn't trying to cut his ear off. Jesus picked up the ear and stuck it back on the guy. (laughs) So I guess that might have been the last thing he did. But at one point, he moves right into his full humanity. He was obedient unto his death, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Now, let's look at some of this, the paradox of the cross, because I want you to see this, and hopefully it will bless you. I'll try to get through these quickly. But um, for the preaching of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.18. If you wonder why people make fun of you, people don't listen to you, it's right there. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You know, I always joke about how many people drive up this highway while we're having church, see all these cars, and how many people say, look at those fools. Not not, not everybody, I'm sure there's all one person. Look at those fools, wasting their time, preacher just taking all their money, you know. The same little song that everybody sings. But that's what the Bible says. They're going to call you a fool for believing this. Because the preaching of the cross, and that's what we're doing this morning, we're preaching the cross. You see, the preaching of the cross is a thing. In the Bible, it was a thing. They preached the cross. They talked about what happened, because in, in the first century people, this was a symbol of hate and murder, and, and he said, but the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So, once again, the paradox is it's foolishness to people that don't understand it, but to us, it becomes powerful. And again, this is the thing, don't, don't, don't get weird, I mean, I mean, if you like to collect crosses, that's fine, I have a few crosses in my house and stuff, I'm not Obsessed with the symbol. So don't get weird and say, well, it, right there it says that there's power. You know, then you're going into that place that we're not talking about. <laughs> but he is talking about that the power of the cross, the preaching of the cross, the message of what happened on the cross, in that message is the power of God. Think about that. And what happened there is what's going to make the difference in your life. You can come to church till you go every day of your life, but if you don't understand the, what, really this sacrifice. I had a, um, and I actually I'm going to talk to him, they sent me a video and they asked me, Pastor, what do you think about this? And it's a guy and he's actually pretty good. And he's a young guy and very, very well spoken, very, you know, as a preacher, does a good job. But kind of the, through his message, he keeps leaning into the thing like, so, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't saved because here it says, you know, we, if we've preached about here that, you know, faith without works is dead. And he keeps building and building and building on how there are a lot of Christians that think they're saved and they're not. And, I, and I'm, it kind of started bothering me because I'm like, I mean, he's saying the truth to a point. Because what he's doing, he's slowly moving people back to legalism by saying, well, no, the blood of Jesus wasn't enough for your salvation. No, let me help you. The blood of Jesus was all you needed. Now, there should happen something within your Christianity that has transformed you that you want to be like Jesus and you want to do good things. But your works are not going to save you. Amen? You're saved by grace, not of works. So no no one can boast. Well, that's what happens in, 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 in the business I am. You hear a lot of pastors (laughs) <laughs> and they used to bug me, because if you're around a bunch of pastors, this is always it goes. This is the way it goes. So they'll, you know, they'll greet and out, you know, uh, anyway, be nice, pastor, okay. I might, even as pastors, you, do, you know, nobody gets, no, nobody, I don't cut anybody slack. I don't even cut myself slack. We're going to be real, because we're going to be real. And I get around these pastors, Freddie, and they tell me, oh, they just call, you know, we've got five or six, I understand, you know, and here it comes. How many people are in your church? Well, I got 350, and they would go on and on and on. And on. Everybody's telling all their big numbers. They came to me, and I said, well, I got about 5% of our population. They don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Because not even Joel Osteen has 5% of the population, you know? And I would just do it because it was so, to me, it was, this is not about us. What what difference does it make if you got two people in your church or you got 2,000? Because if God called you to minister to those two people, you are in God's perfect will. Yeah. Amen. And, and going back to this, the preaching of the cross is that place of humility, is that place of brokenness, is that place that this is not about me. This is about him. This is about what he has done in my life, and hopefully we can help. So the cross, from the human standpoint, is foolishness, yet is the revelation of the highest wisdom of God. Boom, the paradox, right? People say, oh, you, you fools in church. Nope. To God, highest wisdom of revelation. Let's, let's, let's look at some more of these. I'm going to go through some of these. My clicker clicks. Why well, is not clicking, are you? Is there a next one? There you go. You can just do it. I don't know. I think maybe the battery died. Let's keep going. The most recognized symbol of Christianity, we already talked a lot about this. So I was saying I got ahead of myself. Is was one of the most hated symbols during the Roman Empire. The most tragic event in history of the world yet the most wonderful thing that ever happened. An innocent man, crucified. That's tragic. But at the same time, what's a paradox? It's the best thing that could have ever happened. Because without that crucifixion, we would all still be lost. Saddest spectacle man ever beheld, yet it was the most stunning defeat Satan ever suffered, and the most glorious victory Christ ever won. In his death as a criminal, in his death as the lowest of the low, in his exposure and being crucified completely naked, He'll be destroyed. At the same time, beats Satan with his thing. And he is over. And it's amazing to me how stupid the devil is because it's written how stupid he is. It's written in the book of Corinthians. Satan said, if we had only known, we would have never crucified him. He didn't see it coming. He could have never figured out that God had sent his son to pay for the sin of all humanity. He never saw that coming. Because if he would have seen it coming, he would have not crucified him. Amen? is that cool? The saddest spectacle was the most glory was. And I like just, just simple ones. He won by losing. Well, hey, Pastor, these are all cute, but how does it help me? Because Christianity is about putting your life down and your agenda and, and sometimes even your schedule and sometimes, you know, guess what? Your comfort. And, well, I don't know if I'm willing to do all that. Well, I mean, I'm saying God still loves you I'm sure you'll get to heaven but to have the place of the glory and to see God's manifestation you're going to have to be like him you know come on as a pastor you guys like I said we get phone calls all day sometimes I don't want to answer all the phone calls because every phone call is usually 30-40 minute conversation sometimes I have time sometimes I really don't you know I work and I got stuff going on but you know you look at that phone you look at the situation no you do it because you know what Jesus would pick up Jesus would take it Jesus would do it and, and you begin to mold your life. And pretty soon, because I've heard people say, Pastor Box, how do you do everything? And so, I don't know. We just do it. Because guess what? God gives you grace to do whatever you're called to do. He will, And, and you'll have such a good time doing it. But you have to learn, and you're going to hear this over and over before the morning's over, that you win. In this camp, you win by losing. Amen. You win by giving. That's how prosperity works. Right? You're blessed by blessing. Yes or no? I will bless you so you'll be a blessing? I mean, the paradox is everywhere. And the cross was the biggest one. He conquered by surrendering. I like that one. He conquered hell by giving himself to hell. The more you, and and he's a pastor, how does that apply to my life? When you begin to see how God does things, Let let me tell you a funny story. I mean, this is just a blessing of the Lord. On my birthday, a few weeks ago, I went to the post office and I opened an envelope and and it looked, you know, it was was from a health insurance company. I opened the the envelope, I had a check for $900. Really? An insurance company returning you money? Usually, when I see a check like that, I'm thinking, oh, you overpayment $9.32. You know, you're hoping it's really big, right? And I call Michelle because she does all my insurance stuff. I said, "What's up with this?" She's, "Well, you know, I changed your company and blah 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 blah." She gave me a big explanation, and it was funny because the check said, "If this amount, you know, was sent to you incorrectly, please call this number." I'm like, you ain't calling that number. <laughs> you sent it. It's over. <laughs> Got my name on it. What you, what am I saying with that? That's the kind of things God does. Completely unexpected. It could come in on March the 8th. It could have come in on March the 10th. No, it came on my birthday. Oh, pastor, you spiritualize everything. Well, when it happens to you, let me know. I'm just messing with you. But that's the kind of thing God does. When you're willing to lay your life down, he doesn't let any one little thing go by. There's a great accountant in heaven for every act of kindness you've done, for every righteous act when nobody else was watching and you were a blessing to somebody that needed some groceries, when nobody else was watching and you did the right thing. Are you still here this morning? And there's a great accounting system in heaven that every time you lay your life down, trust me, God's watched that. And he'll make something happen for you that's completely unexpected. Glory be to God. You know, he conquers by surrendering. That's my point. When you give your life to God, you're like, "Oh, am I going to?" Because that's you know, a lot of people don't come to church because their idea of church is, "I'm going to lose something, I'm going to lose the party, I'm going to lose my friends, I'm going to lose." Well, how has that worked out for you so far? You, you know, some of those friends you probably need to lose really quick. Because that is like a fear. Because they think Christianity, I'm just going to go to church, get all religious. I can't, you know, you're going to be like that old rock and roll song that said, "You can't drink, you can't smoke." What do you? Do? You guys wouldn't know that. You're millennials. I'm going way back into some good old, when music was still good. No, this is the most exciting thing you've ever done. When you see it in the context of what God is asking us. But we live in a world that is wired a certain way, and the cross, here's a big one, is a place where we renew our thinking. I'm not talking just renew, I'm talking revolutionize completely our thinking. Because everything is not about you anymore. Look at somebody and just smile at them. Don't even say nothing because you know that's for them. Like, "Mm mm-hmm. Give them that rolling eye, "Mm mm-hmm. This is not about you anymore. Out there, everything is about you. Here, everything's about him. And in that place, it's glorious. Can you guys give the Lord a hand clap? I think he deserves one by now. Amen? (laughs) Glory to God. Woo! I'm high. The exhibition of divine justice in condemning sin yet the most wonderful demonstration of divine mercy. Another paradox for you. In pardoning sin. He was up there because he took all the sin. But at the same time, he forgave all the sin. Isn't <laughs> that cool? Only God can come up with stuff like this. The darkest hour in history, it was the time of greatest light. In the cross, we see the man's hatred for Christ, yet we see Christ's love for man. All right. and again, like I, said, I mentioned, a lot of these things at the front end of the message, as, a, as the nails were being driven, he's forgiving people. Amen. Human vengeance as the crowd cried for his blood, yet we see divine forgiveness as Jesus prayed, "Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do." While people were spitting on him, he's loving on them. Now that's the highest level of what the cross can do for you. Because guess what? I don't think I'm there yet. I'm trying. It is hard because we're flesh, right? But there's a place that we that we walk in this grace, and you know. And the purpose of, of today's message was really to to help you see these contrasts and find the one that the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. Because you say, "Man, that's a lot, Pastor." No, but there's usually one. There's one that will stand out this morning. There's, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm preaching to you, and in my mind, I'm like, "Yeah, dude, you better fix that one." Uh huh. Because that is really the ultimate level of Christianity. It portrays man's sinfulness. Jesus took all of it. But at the same time, God's holiness. It portrays the human weakness. This is completely zeroed out the death of a cross. And it comes back as divine strength. And here's, I think, this point. Let me just park there for a second. Once again, we have that tendency that we want to show people that we have it all together and that we're powerful and that we're strong and that we're rich and that we're this and that we're that. And at the end of the day, that none of that matters at all. What matters is the reality. Because when people see that you're vulnerable, guess what? They realize that you're real. I don't know why I can't, I keep going back to that. Somebody maybe needs to hear that. There's nothing worse than phoniness, especially in this realm. It's just not, I just don't, you know, it just bothers me. And I, and I really pray that I don't come across as phony. You know, I got my son, my wife, and my daughter goes to Laredo Church, and my grandkids, and they're all watching and tracking, and they go back home and live with me, some of them. You can't be phony in this. Because the first people I'm going to lose is my family. Are you still here? I might lose some of you, but the main people that I'm more concerned about is my family rejecting Jesus because of what they saw dad or grandpa do. No. And one of the things you want to show them is that we are weak. But guess what happens in our weakness? He becomes strong. Thanks, Kathy. That's exactly right. That weakness is not something we should shy away from and, and are you, But weakness really means the vulnerability of it. Just open it up and say, Lord, these are the areas. Because the cross took it all, guys. Here's my message in a nutshell. Why are we struggling? Why do we still hang on to pet struggles within our character and within our demeanor if that cross took it all? Now, if God loves us. You, you want to hang on to it, hang on to it. But I paid for that. Even, even the idea, I was talking to somebody yesterday, we are talking about the whole COVID thing and and, he, and he's a pastor, he's, he's a good friend, and, and I'm actually doing some work for him uh, as a contractor, you know, but I know him, and he's a good guy, and, and we're talking about COVID, and he's talking about, you know, how his family, some of his family members got it, and some know it. And, and then we got into just basically what you guys hear all the, all the time. He says, why would, I, why would I accept it as something? Because he said something really interesting in the conversation. He said, a lot of people walk around like, well, I guess it's my turn like, everybody got it, I guess I'm just waiting for me to get it. Well, that's kind of the wrong attitude. I mean, if you're a believer, it's the wrong attitude, because guess where COVID was in the first century? <laughs> it was on the cross. And everything else. So when this thing started about a year ago, you guys remember? We were home. We did Easter Sunday. That was so sad. We did it live stream Easter Sunday. That was some of the most... You guys don't know how fast I wanted that to stop. And we were here last year, and we made a decision. And again, you know, don't, don't if you got it, don't get under condemnation. It is what it is. Thank God you got it and you came out of it. That's not what I'm saying. But the more you grow on the cross, you realize, nope, he took it. And if he took it, I got no business taking it. I, I really got no business taking it. Now, I can take it because he, you know, he's going to give you authority, but I'm not going to believe for it. Well, what if you get it? Or if I get it, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be healed. I'm not saying that. You know, there's, there's still, it could still happen, whatever. But I'm saying I am not putting myself out there like, well, you know, I guess my, it's all, I'm up. No, I'm not up. Jesus bore it. Jesus bore it. You know, and, and that human weakness, all our humanity, all our fragile humanity, all our weakness was on him. You got to understand from the Garden of Gethsemane to the resurrection, he's not God. He's operating as a human, and I know this is going to mess some theologians up because they don't like me saying that. But if that, if they don't, and I'm just saying in the simple terms, I heard somebody says you can't say that, that Jesus lost his divinity. Well, tell me how does divinity go to hell? Because if divinity hits hell, it's going to get, explode into light. You can't put God into a place of darkness and that place of darkness not become absolute, complete glory. And Jesus had to go to that place of darkness. And he had to go as a man. I mean, that's about as weak as you're going to get. But in that came the divine strength. Glory be to Jesus. But most important, this is what we're going to close with this morning. Now, don't put your Bibles away. I just said we're going to close. That could mean 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I said, we're going to close. everybody. like, no, no. It's like It's like an airplane. Attention, passengers, we will be landing shortly. <laughs> that took could be 40 minutes, you know. We, we still got a lot of altitude here. We've got to bring this message home. It's funny how y'all react. But most important, it demonstrates man's inability to save himself. The cross is a symbol that we can't do it alone. And I encourage everyone here to stop trying. And God's ability and power to do this for him. In Matthew 16, 25, the greatest of the paradoxes that we've mentioned, for whosoever will save his life will lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. And I think right there, to me, is one of the greatest things that I can just come to the cross and say, Jesus, I I don't have it altogether. Jesus, I do need help in this area. Jesus, help me, because even in Christianity, sometimes, like I said, you, you see it even with the church environment. People that come into church, like what I call, what I call baby Christians, sometimes they're, they're they seem so hungry, and they're just like on the edge of their seat of everything that's coming forth. I was that guy, right? You're just like, I want more spiritual food, but then you look around again. I'm not pointing out anybody, but then you see Christians have been around here forever. And they got the kind of ho-hum, oh, I hope he doesn't go after 12 because, you know, I've got to go to London. They're thinking about all the other stuff while living words are coming off the platform. And it goes back to that. We don't have our ability to save ourselves. And that's why that, ho- that little video that, you know, oh, it's by works. No, it's not by works. You know, please do good things. Be a good person. Do a lot of righteous acts. But don't think any of those righteous acts give you the, the permission to get to heaven. What gives you the permission and the absolute right, not just permission, right, to spend eternity with God is what Jesus did on that cross. Amen. Amen? Humble yourself at the cross this morning. Place yourself at the feet of Jesus. He loves you. He didn't do this to start a religion. He didn't do this to try to control your life. And in the same conversation I had with this gentleman yesterday, we were talking about, you know, Christianity, first of all, this is not a cult. Amen? You don't have to be here. You don't have, for that matter, you don't have to be a Christian. But if you choose to be one, then you're going to have to understand this. Because there's no, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to still live a different style. of. No, that doesn't work that way. This is almost like a country club, right? You, you sign up. There's certain boundaries and certain things that you're going to have to manage for this thing to work. You can't just say, I'm a Christian and, that, and live like the devil. It doesn't work that way. And if somebody tells you that's the way it is, that you've been deceived. And that deception is going to cost you dearly. It will. It might cost you dearly in this life or it might cost you dearly in the afterlife. But it will cost you at some point. Because no, it is not about it. If, if one thing Jesus demonstrated on that cross was our inability to save ourselves. We need a savior. Amen? Your family needs Jesus. He should be talked about. He should be, you know, when you, when you pray for your meals, when you raise your kids, you know, the, the conversation of Jesus shouldn't stop when I say amen and we close the service because he has to take that one place and keep it in front of everybody that we need him and that everybody around you say so you're one of those Jesus freaks call you you know call me a freak i'm fine with that i've been called i've been called some other f words not it wasn't freak <laughs> i'm just saying call me a freak call me a fanatic but while you're finishing calling me whatever you call me you're going to have to call me blessed you're going to call me I sleep good at night. I wake up with a family that's complete right now. We're blessed. And it's all because of his... And anything that I've thought was hard and tedious and from ministry to people, nothing, nothing, nothing of that compares to the glory that he has shown me. And if I had to do it over again to be where I'm at again, I'll do it all over again. And there were some rough spots. You think this is all... (laughs) You don't, have, you don't know how many times I wanted to shut things down and go do something else. But no, I didn't, because you know what? It's not my agenda. Well, how long are you going to be in Heavenville, Pastor, Till Jesus says? So far, He hasn't said nothing, so you all stuck with me. If some Sunday you show up with Pastor Box, oh, you know, He's doing something else, it's because Jesus said do something else. But this is the last thing He told me to do, was to do this. So here we are. Amen? Would you get something out of it this morning? Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Let's give the Lord another hand clap. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the word. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. And before we, you know, as as we walk into the next couple weeks with the passion of who Jesus is, the passion of Christ, my assumption in this house this morning is that everyone's born again, and that's probably a good assumption, because I know most of you, if not all of you. And I know most of the people that are on our online church. But let's take a moment. Before we go anywhere else with this, I think it's going to help all of us, but do it really sincerely from your heart. I know this was what the Lord put in my heart to do even on a personal level. Let's rededicate our life tonight. I mean, this morning to God. Let's rededicate it. Pastor, yeah, I, I get that. This is not about you're going to miss heaven, but come back to the cross. Remember when the first time you came to the cross, when your life was a mess and you needed so much help and now that God has fixed a lot of things and you know you got some money in the bank and things are going good? we still can come back to the cross. But now we're coming back from the place of the glory, not from the place of death. And recognizing that there are things in our life, in all of our lives, my life, my wife's, in your life, and it's not about exposing anybody or anything. But if you can recognize some things that have to come up and be nailed once again upon the cross, why don't you do that this morning? Maybe some bad habits have crept back into your life maybe your vocabulary maybe you say too many lies here and there maybe you're addicted and you're hiding it nobody's watching but you know what God's still there with you this is not about calling anybody out God forbid we ever do that we don't call people out but the Holy Spirit will call us on us, and it's just a very personal moment right now right in this house Online church, go with us on this. In-house. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today with nothing to hide. I want to be completely vulnerable before you. And once again, Lord, I take my life and I give it to you. It's your will, not mine. And I repent, Lord, for the times that I've tried to do it my way. I thank you, Lord, that I am born again. I am saved. I am a child of God. Amen. Now let that sink in right there nobody move nobody sit down just hang on see you're asking the Holy Spirit to help you and he will but you got to put a little bit into it yourself so I encourage you as you you know as, we, as we're wrapping up the service this morning that you think about this service think about the next three weeks think about the cross and begin to understand that that cross was a place of transfer it was a place of exchange to take your life, your death, your sickness, all the negativities of your life, and exchange them for his glory and his peace, his healing, his prosperity. It's not that hard, guys. <laughs> we just got to build our faith into it. Let me pray this prayer, and then I'll let you sit down. Father, we just give you glory and praise. God, I really know your presence is in this house. And a very simple message of the cross, but very deep in the idea that Yes, we're not of this world. We can't think the way the world thinks. Father, I pray that by showing them the the contrast, by showing them the paradox and all all these events, that we live and are part of the kingdom of heaven. We're not part of a broken, death-filled, sin-filled world. We're not part of that anymore. We're part of life. We're part of light. And I speak the blessing on everyone in this house... I speak the blessing on all our online church. And I just thank you, Lord, because every form of sickness and disease and this, if you're dealing with sickness and disease, just raise one hand to heaven. I'm not going to call you up, just to that. Now, as you, as you have that hand, that hand represents you. You know what you're doing? You're taking that sickness and you're putting it right up on that cross. Come on, imagine you're doing that. Go with me now. You got diagnosed with something? It might be something, well, I only have migraines. Put them on the cross. Maybe it's something serious that you got diagnosed with cancer, you got diagnosed with some other disorder, blood disease, nerve disease. You put it on the cross. And you begin to see yourself healed. You begin to see yourself, no, 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 that's not mine. I did not subscribe to that. It's not my diabetes. It's just diabetes. It's not mine. It's not my cancer. It's not my nothing. It's not my arthritis. It's my nothing. Let's call it what it is. Don't make it personal. Because you personalize that, you're bringing it back to yourself. No, that's Jesus's arthritis. He took that. He bore all our sin and all our sickness. And because of this, by His stripes, we were healed. Healing now in the name of Jesus. I speak healing over everyone in this room that needs it physical, emotional, spiritual. You are healed. And I believe this very week you'll see manifestation of that healing in your body. I believe that with all my heart, in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. Glory be to God. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Well, did you enjoy that this morning? That's a good start, wasn't it? Yeah. Now I can actually look at my notes. I, never, I didn't even look at them. Well, wow, that's the same thing up here. So. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, I got um, a couple things I want to mention, um, first of all, I already talked about get excited about our Easter where, you know, it kind of came together what I call organically, which is kind of nice, because we really hadn't planned anything, but, you know, it is our, it is our celebration, so and, you know, I'll, I need to talk to Angie also, but the kids are going to have a party, and then we're going to have um, an egg hunt right here on, on the grounds, but then, you know, Laredo Church they want to be part of it, so we're not going to have church in Laredo, because we're, you know, by the way, we're only one church. You know, We're just two locations. We're not two churches. But you got to meet that bunch, you know. And I know they're from Laredo, but treat them nice, all right? Just be nice. If they're, I know some of them are watching. I'm just messing with them. But, you know, so they're coming over, and instead of, we're trying to structure, and Kathy will give you more information, but instead of just, you know, doing something, we decided, you know, let's just do like a big family gathering. If you want to stay, bring something And we'll just put a big spread of whatever you bring. You want to buy a pizza, you want to cook something, and we'll just fill up the youth center with, you know, a big buffet of everybody, you know, just bring something. And the the church will provide all the sodas and waters to drink, you know, and all that. But then every family just can bring something. So Kathy will give you more details, but that's for Easter Sunday. And of course, you know, um, we have, if you haven't been water baptized, pray about it, talk about it, and talk to Kathy. It's just a wonderful experience. It's part of you know, what we believe. Does water baptism get you to heaven? No. You're saved by grace, not by water baptism. The water baptism, more than anything, it helps you understand what we're talking about. Because the whole symbolism of water baptism is you die and you become alive again. And if you believe there's a miracle in there, it will happen in those baptismal waters. There's people that will... Go down with addictions and all kinds of negative stuff, but they're believing God, that that's their faith is connected to that event. Not, not the event itself is not causing the miracle, but they're saying, you know, when I come out of that water, I'm done with it. I've seen people delivered of all kinds of stuff because they, they grab their faith on that. Amen. So pray about it, you know, and, and if you've been water baptized, you know, you don't need to do it again unless in my case I had it, it took two to get me right, because I was because baptism, they baptized it. They baptize everything. I got baptized when I was like eight. Didn't know what was going on. I thought it was just fun. But When I came back to God in September of I came back to God in September of 1992. Well, a year later, September of 1993, we were up at a motorcycle Christian motorcycle rally up at Fort Worth, and I had the privilege, one of the highest honors of my life, that I was I was water baptized again by Brother Copeland. That's just very significant to me. And man, I'm telling you that that was my water baptism. The one when I was a kid was just dunking. <laughs> I just got wet. And I remember when, that, when I got water baptized at that, um, at that lake, and I think that's really when the ministry started, because I didn't even ask for a word and Brother Coleman just started prophesying over me and the power of God hit me, almost drowned. <laughs> I couldn't even get out of that way I and mean, the power of God was so strong, I, I stumbled out of, the, out of the lake, you know, it was amazing. And that really, I think that's what set everything we do today. So, you know, to me it was very significant and I pray that when we do it, it's significant to you also. Um, just a couple things. I've been um, still talking to Yoel. Things in Cuba are pretty complicated, and you know we're like like you have no idea how complicated as far as food and all kinds of craziness. But we're still connected with Pas- uh, Pastor Yoel. We're trying to find the time to get down there. The the good news for me, and not, not that anybody cares, but you're part of Faithway, is um, a big part of our heart in ministry. You know, since 2004 that God called us to Ukraine and. You know, at first I thought it might have been a one-trip deal and no, God really called us it was the same thing with Cuba, I thought Cuba was a one-time deal and then 2012 and then we just, God showed us what we were supposed to do there, and Ukraine's been the same way but now, officially we can go back to Ukraine everything's open, churches are allowed to preach, airlines, so forth and so on, so my wife and I um, were already planning a and I'm so excited about it and again, the reason I mentioned, you know, pray for us if it's something on your heart well we appreciate your partnership and so forth but um, you know ukraine is a big we've done so much work over there we got great relationships great churches we work with so we're excited you know we were i was talking to oksana and Tolik and um well another thing they did oksana they started a youtube channel if you don't think this church is, is setting a footprint it's exciting and all they're having that youtube channel it's a, it's a russian youtube channel well in russian and they're translating our messages, and they're translating Jerry Savelle's messages. They've, they finally got authorization from Jerry Savelle. So this is, you know, this is just Ukrainian people doing for the glory of God, and the channel's called Faithway in Ukraine and in Russian. So not that any of us understand what they're saying, but it's exciting, don't you think? You know, our church is being put on the world wide web in Russia and has that influence to go into the former Soviet Union. And, you know, a lot of people on this planet still speak Russian, you know, most, most, all the former Soviet Union still speaks Russian, you know, they have, even though they have their own independent languages. So, yeah, so this year it looks like we're going back to Ukraine. I don't have dates yet. I'm thinking it's going to be early summer. And then the other thing is our vacation Bible school is coming, and our dates are—we have the dates now yet. But it was the first week, right? Second week of June. This thing's going to come up pretty quick. The reason I'm mentioning is for those of you that are hearing some of these messages and you've never really got involved with anything in the church— this would be a great opportunity. You know, uh, VBS is something that, you know, been a big, big part of our ministry. And last year we didn't have it, of course. But there were times that we would bring over 300 kids in here, you know, and some of those numbers went down over the years, but, but we're going to revamp it, and we would love people to get on board, you know, help us out. There's all kinds of area of help here. So if that's something you'd like to do, speak to, to Angie or speak to Yanis. And, and get involved, you know. It really is, the more, and this is really what we're talking, the more you get involved, the more you're going to get it. of Why we do what we do, amen? All right, well, said that, last thing, you guys know what to do. Uh, we want to honor God with our giving. And again, thank you so much for your generosity, and thank you so much. You're making a difference in Puebla, our church in Mexico, even though they still can't gather. We're still there, if you can imagine. The government in Mexico is so weird. They said they, that you could open it from Monday to Friday, but weekends they have to be closed. That's what people go to church on weekends. But that's not church, everything. Restaurants. So they're letting the, the businesses open from Monday to Friday. But on the weekend, they don't want a lot of gatherings, so they're shutting everything out. So, but we have a great location. God bless us with that location many, many years ago. It's a rental. It's just really nice. And we're keeping it. You know, we don't want to give it up. Rent is real reasonable um, for, the, for the location that we have. H and Deanna, they've been there. and um, Some of you might have been down there. I am not remember. You guys you ever go to the church? You guys went before, right? way, way before. You guys never went to Puebla? I don't have an idea that you all went to Puebla. Oh, maybe no, it was Monterrey. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, when we are doing this. Because we did these conventions, I remember the turners going. Anyway, thank you for your generosity. There's instructions if you do it online. If you need an envelope for your giving, give it. And if you're partnered up with any of the, our outreaches, just write it in, you know. We want to keep sending money to Cuba. Um, they desperately need it. I mean, there's like no food. And because the, you know, that's what I'm telling you about God. When we bought the farm... We never thought it was going to be such a critical piece as it is right now because a lot of the food that the church is and they're feeding over 200 people every every month. A lot of the food's coming from the farm, you know, the, the staples that they're growing, the beans and the yuca and all the you know the Cuban staples. So God's always watching these things, you know. And one of the things that Joel and I are we're in agreement we're believing, and I don't have a lot of freedom of speech because we're online right now, but is that Cuba's getting close to be free. We're believing. It's too much, way too much. So keep praying about that. You know, pray about, pray about that. Because if you're part of Faithway, you're part of that. You're like, I could care less about Cuba. That's fine, but you're still part of it. Because you're part of Faithway. And Faithway's part of Cuba. And, and as a, well, I don't even care about Ukraine. Well, you're part of it. Whatever happened in Ukraine, you're part of it. And what's happening in Mexico and what's happening on the Navajo Nation. The last one was that one I'm going to mention. Um, we talked about... A situation where on the reservation: two churches got uh, vandalized. One of them, they tried to burn it down. And um, we already said some last Sunday. Uh, somebody gave us an offering, said, "I want this to Navajo," and as soon as I got it, next day, Elson had it. Uh, but we want us, you know, we, we put it out there. And I told Elson, "I'll put it out there. i I don't know what form it'll take." But I was thinking, if there's, it could be. I mean, it could be ladies also. I'm just thinking more of the men. If some of you guys found some days off. And we could run up there or we could you know and, and just just go to work you know we're just gonna go build stuff you know go paint fix some floors and help elson with the, to rebuild the churches it, you know that would be kind of cool if we could send a team if that doesn't materialize because we're all crazy busy i get that then the other best thing we can do is support them financially and they can hire contractors over there and get stuff done it's really everything on the navajo reservation is super complicated if you've never been there i mean i'm not talking driving through i'm talking being there with the people eating fry bread listening to the stories it is a really bad I mean what the situation with the Native American it's communism to the I mean Elson will tell you this is communism at the the highest level and so we want to be a blessing the Navajo Nation is our family we have a lot of people from the Navajo Nation watching us I know we have partners from the Navajo Nation and we love love our Navajo family so again I throw that out there more than anything if the Lord speaks to you just tag it you know okay i'm gonna give a hundred dollars trust me as soon as we get it we're sending it we got like i said three hundred dollars came in on sunday somebody actually just they were leaving says pastor put this to the navajo reservation monday afternoon he had the money you know um, that's how important it is right now to support the work there so those are the things that we do we are about missions we are about outreach and you're all invited to participate you don't have to participate in any of it you don't have to give anything if you don't want to we still love you But i'm saying if you want to Stop, you know, if you, if you like it just sit on the grandstands and watch the game, that's fine. But if you're the kind of person that wants to be on the field, then come on and join us and help us, and, and we'll get some stuff done. Amen? So that's what's going on to all things Faithway. Go ahead and stand with me, and I'll get you out of here. And if you know people in Laredo, send them for our 2 o'clock service, 800 East Man Road. I'll be probably talking about the same thing. It's always a little different, but we're, gonna, we're doing the same series over there. Father, we thank you, Lord for this offering that we present to you this morning as we bless the nations. Father, this offering is touching Ukraine, Navajo Nation, Mexico, Cuba, Father. But also, Father, it keeps this church going. It keeps the doors open here. And I thank you for our partners. I thank you for our online partners and online church. I know you're out there listening. You're part of this. You know, same instructions. Now with the online, just thank you for your partnership. But Father, right now, we don't give just a monetary thing. We are giving part of our life in this offering. We honor it. We bless it. And we thank you, Lord, that money with a mission will always make a difference. Father, we openly believe that you are a God that will prosper us, not just for enrichment, but to be a blessing, primarily to be a blessing. Yes, I know, Lord, it says that we are enriched in everything for every good work, and that's why we're enriched, for every good work. Thank you for the quality of this church, the people, father we pray over our vacation bibles go help me pray for that real quick father we pray that it's an absolute success for your glory not for our glory that father we can see the numbers that we used to have the 200 300 kids come in and, and that we bless them and we minister father we thank you for the the doors of opening up to ukraine where we can go back and and do some work there lord and you will show us the time the moment and and the purpose of that trip and lord i, I just sit here all afternoon and thank you for your goodness. But most of all, Jesus, we thank you for that cross. Because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be here today. I call everyone here blessed till I see them again. I declare that the peace of God that passeth all understanding, go with them wherever they go. In Jesus' name. And everybody give me one last amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. Yeah, give the Lord another hand clap. And we'll see you all next week. You are dismissed.